All right. Happy Father's Day, everyone. Um, man, some of those kids. Who uh, was it, Millie, who said, our father is the fruits of the spirit? And then one said, may the Lord bless my dad. My kids weren't even on the video, <laughs> but that's okay. I'm not comparing. I'm not doing anything like that as I watch those. Um, as you know, we have been going through the Old Testament stories, and it has been fun, and we've been learning new things and opening some stuff up. And today, appropriately for Father's Day, we get to talk about the father of the Israelites, and we get to talk about a really interesting father and son dynamic through Abraham and Isaac. Right? You guys recognize that story? Um, so if you guys take a second, go ahead and open your Bibles to Genesis 22. If you are looking at your Bible on your phone, I dare you not to look at a text or Instagram right now, but simply pull up the Bible app. Do it. I'm watching. Go ahead and do it. All right, let's go ahead and stand up. And we're going to read the scriptures. Does anybody else have the song Father Abraham playing through their head right now? <laughs> Many. So, as I was writing this, this kept coming back up. And I, I don't understand that song. As, sing it to yourself in your head. And then did you guys all do the thing where you're like right arm, left arm. And then all of a sudden you're like bouncing on one foot. Anyone else? Yes. Why? Do we know wh what that was about? No? Okay, good. Great. <laughs> All right, let's go ahead and start reading. This is, my Bible starts off with the sacrifice of Isaac. Does your guys start out with the sacrifice of Isaac right there? You know what's interesting? In the Jewish tradition, they actually refer to this story as the binding of Isaac because Isaac is actually not sacrificed in this story, but they focus on the fact that he was bound and not necessarily sacrificed. But just a little side note. Here's what it says. After these things, God tested Abraham and said to him, Abraham. And he said, here I am. He said, take your son, your only son Isaac, whom you love, and go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains of which I shall tell you. So Abraham rose early in the morning saddled his donkey and took two of his young men with him and his son Isaac. And he cut the wood for the burnt offering and arose and went to the place of which God had told him. On the third day, Abraham lifted up his eyes and saw the place from afar. Then Abraham said to his young men, stay here with the donkey and I and, I and the boy will go over there and worship and come again to you. And Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering and laid it on Isaac, his son. And he took his hand, and he took in his hand the fire and the knife. So they both went, they, the both of them went together. And Isaac said to his father, Abraham, my father. And he said, here I am, my son. He said, behold, the fire and the wood. But where's the lamb for the burnt offering? Abraham said, God will provide for himself the lamb for the burnt offering, my son. So they went, both of them together. When they came to the place of which God had told him, Abraham built the altar there and laid the wood in order and bound Isaac, his son, and said, and laid him on the altar on top of the wood. Then Abraham reached out his hand and took the knife to slaughter his son. But the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. And he said, here I am. He said, do not lay a hand on the boy or do anything to him. For now I know that you fear God seeing you have not withheld your son, your only son from me. And Abraham lifted up his eyes and looked, 
And behold, behind him was a ram caught in a thicket by his horns. And Abraham went and took the ram and offered it up as a burnt offering instead of his son. So Abraham called the name of that place, the Lord will provide, as it is to this day. You may be seated. Guys, I'm going to be up front with you from the start. You know that little wrestling match that happens between Jacob and God in Genesis 32? That is how I felt while preparing this sermon about this story. Um, and instead of giving you guys a point-by-point -point sermon, I'm actually going to walk you through this wrestling match that I had with God through this time because I think that is important for you guys to see the process of it, but to also recognize, man, some of this stuff is a little confusing and some of it is hard. And as I was preparing and processing the story, I asked a few different people about this story, and I said, what, when you read this, what is something that sticks out to you, or what is a message that you would want to share? And I got a lot of, good luck, Julie. Literally, that's all I got. Nobody gave me any insight. It was super helpful. And here's why. This is a tough story, and there are a few things in the story that are, in my opinion, this is my opinion, inconsistent with the character of God that I've come to know through Christ. In verse two, let's pause and just be honest for a second. He says, take your son, your only son Isaac, whom you love, and go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering. And then, in nine and 10, Abraham built the altar, laid the wood, bound his son, laid him on top of the altar, on top of the wood, and he reached his hand and took the knife and was ready to slaughter his son. This is like Game of Thrones, I felt like, as I was reading this a little bit. And as I kept digging into this, I was faced with a lot of thoughts about God that didn't add up to me. Things that God was asking Abraham to prove himself, that God seemingly rewarded Abraham for being willing to do this, or the idea that God is asking someone to sacrifice another human. Um, God seeming like he was playing games playing head games with Abraham. Sacrifice your son, prove to me you love me more than your son. No, wait, don't do it, but now that you proved it, I'll bless you. And I kept going back and forth and I kept reading it in this way. And a lot of times in my past, that's how I used to read this story. And please hear me, in no way am I discrediting the story or being cynical at all. These are just honest struggles and questions I've had with the story. And I know I'm not the only one because as I talked to people this week, they were saying those same things, that they don't understand it, they don't get it. And I struggle with these parts because when you look at the character of Jesus, and who Jesus is, they don't seem to be about these same things. But here is why these questions are important to me, because some of these ideas that, these thoughts that I had about this story in the past propelled me into a relationship with God that was based out of fear and based off of this idea that I constantly had to prove myself to God and that he was constantly testing me and that if I just made that wrong mistake, then uh, it's, not gonna, it's not gonna be okay and that this then impacted the way that I impacted others because I was inviting people into a relationship with God based on fear versus a relationship of God based on love. And that's really, that hit me. And I've moved from that place and this story kind of took me back there a bit. So as I was preparing this, I knew the message I wanted to share, but I couldn't get past some of these things and I didn't feel like it was fair to just glance over them and breeze over them. Now pause for a second. I wish that each one of you guys could come into one of our staff meetings because they're quite the dynamic <laughs> and they're quite funny. And you've seen a little bit of our personalities up here. Um, there's a lot of jokes, a lot of fun, a lot of vulnerability, a lot of honesty. But part of what of our practices is, is that we bring our ideas to the table and then we push back on each other. And we have a safe space to do that where I can push back on people's ideas, but then I also am in a safe space and know these people love me and so they're gonna push back on my ideas. 
So I brought this, these struggles, and I was saying, you guys, I don't, I am stuck. Like, I keep getting stuck on these facts, and I can't get past them, and I feel like it's disingenuous to not address them, and going back and forth, and I'm asking questions, and Russ is kind of the, f the father figure of the group that day and is answering a lot of the questions. Brooke is sitting somewhat quietly, very thoughtfully, and then every once in a while just drops a theological bomb on you that you weren't expecting, and you're like, yep, that's right, yep, you should maybe give this talk, this is great. Kevin is kind of like my pesky little brother who I love, <laughs> but also who loves very well and knows me well enough. And finally, we were going around in this circle. Russ is answering a couple questions that I haven't even asked, and we're kind of going back and forth, and Kevin finally is like, guys, <laughs> stop. And he says, Julie, you are taking one story and removing it out of the entire story of the Bible, and you're using it to try and answer every question you have about God right now. And there are things in the Old Testament that are hard and mysterious, and they're complicated, and that's okay. And that's why we're doing this series. And I stopped, and I took a deep breath. I was like, okay, that's right. Because I'd realized I'd gone back to my old ways, back to my ways of reading the Bible as one separate story, set apart from the other one, having nothing to do in an individual story with one lesson that we're all defining of who God is, and I was not reading the story as a part of the larger story, the larger story of God continuing to reveal himself to us. And most importantly, what I wasn't doing was I wasn't reading this story through the lens of the crucified Christ. Because you guys, Christ revealed to us who God is, right? Yeah, I know it's hot in here, but you guys can like nod or like, <laughs> just, just a little something. But really I'm asking, do you actually believe that? Do you believe that Christ is God revealed? Thank you, Sharon. <laughs> yes. So when we read any parts of the scriptures, we have to read it through the revelation of Christ. Greg Boyd says it this way. He says, well, I continue to affirm that the whole Bible is inspired by God. Hear that, the whole Bible. I'm now persuaded that the Bible itself instructs us to base our mental representation of God solely on Jesus Christ. We can understand who God is through looking at Jesus Christ and what Jesus was about. Which is why this story raised issues for me, though, because when I compare God in this story to Jesus, it doesn't add up, because I can't picture Jesus asking anyone to sacrifice their son or daughter and then rewarding them for being willing to do it. Fair enough. But that's not scary, and that doesn't mean that I don't think that the story is inspired by God. It just means that I don't fully understand it yet. And that's okay, and hence, that's where the wrestling came in. Another author says this. The Old Testament, <coughs> the Old Testament is in the inspired telling of the story of Israel coming to know their God, but it's a process. God doesn't mu mutate, but Israel's revelation and understanding of God obviously does. Along the way, assumptions are made. One of these assumptions was that Yahweh shares certain violent attributes with the pagan deities of the ancient Near East. These assumptions were inevitable, but wrong. Then it goes on, and it says, so let's just say that between allegedly, the allegedly divine endorsement of genocide and the conquest of Canaan and the Sermon on the Mount, something changes. And this is important. What changes isn't God, but the degree to which humanity has attained a revelation of the true nature of God. The Old Testament is telling the story of Israel coming to know God, but don't stop. Keep going until you get to Jesus. It isn't Joshua the son of Nun who gives us the full revelation of God. It's Yeshua of Nazareth. It isn't the warrior poet David who gives us the full revelation of God, but it's the greater son of David, Jesus Christ. 
We understand David as a man of his time, but we understand Christ as the exact imprint of God's nature. And in that, he's referring to Hebrews 1.3, where it says, Jesus is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of his nature. And he upholds the universe by the word of his power. The Bible is a whole story of God revealing himself to us, not just a group of individual stories. God is continually trying to show us who he is and what he is about. And the people kept getting it wrong over and over, just like I've gotten it wrong over and over. And then Jesus came to fully reveal us to God. And we need to read this story of Abraham and Isaac through the lens of the cross, through God revealed through Jesus Christ, the exact imprint of God's nature. So as I was wrestling and I went back and read it, not as a single story, but a story of part of a whole, knowing that Christ is the center of it all. When I read about Abraham and Isaac with the cross as my lens, all of my questions were not answered, just for the record. But as I read it that way, God is a lot bigger than when I read it without Christ revealed. So as I went back to the story, here was two things that I remembered at the beginning. First, this story was passed down years and years. Let's remember how these stories were written. Um, they were passed down years and years orally, and then many years later, it was written down by somebody. A lot of people think it was Moses. Not everyone thinks it's Moses, but that's what a lot of people would say. Either way, the author and the people sharing the stories were wrestling with the same questions that we have. Who is God? What is God like? And then in this case, who is Abraham, and what was the father of the Israelite nation like? The second thing I was remembering, along with the lens of Christ, was Abraham was raised in a pagan culture. He was raised in a culture where human sacrifice was the norm. It was part of life. It was part of the ways that they appeased the gods. And so he's coming into this, and yes, he's been walking with God for years and years at this point, but he also has this background and this foundation of this is normal, and this is what gods require. If you want to please the gods, you sacrifice a human, and that's okay, and that's part of life. So for us, the idea of sacrifice is absolutely absurd. For Abraham at this time, if he feels like he's supposed to go and sacrifice somebody, he's like, all right, here we go. So the author is trying to portray something about who God is and who Abraham is through this story who's been told orally for many years in a culture where human sacrifice is incredibly common and trying to show his audience who God is and what the father of the nation is like. Last week I talked to two different people, one per both from this community. One person, we were talking about this story, and one person said, honestly, I don't think that God actually said that to Abraham. I think that maybe Abraham misunderstood him, or I think maybe Abraham had this other idea based on his past. I talked to somebody else who says, honestly, I think God said exactly that, and that's just part of the story, right? Both people who love Jesus follow Jesus. All that to say, I'm not gonna answer that question. What I'm gonna say is the story doesn't end there. Abraham goes to the mountain, probably assuming that sacrificing a human is just a way to appease this God of his, and that's normal and ex expected. But he brings Isaac, his son, has him carry the wood of the burnt off offering. A lot of times in the children's Bibles, have you guys seen, it looks like a little boy of Isaac. Um, a lot of people would say that he is somewhere between the ages actually of a healthy teen to the age of 37, somewhere in that range. One, he's old enough to carry the wood up the mountain. Um, two, he has made this big long journey with his dad who's aging and he's taking care of him. And I say this, because I think this is important because Isaac is old enough to understand what is happening here. 
he's old enough to carry that wood up and he's old enough to say, uh, dad, uh, so where's this lamb that we're going to offer? I'm carrying this wood. I see the knife. I see the fire. What are we sacrificing? And that's when Abraham says, don't worry, God will provide the lamb. No big deal. But then I'm trying to picture this because then Abraham binds Isaac up, right? So this adult who's going along with this probably thinking, I guess this is what we do. Like, this is how we appease the gods. I'm, I'm the sacrifice. Maybe that's an honor to him. I don't know. But he ties him up and gets out his ni- knife. Abraham's ready to kill his son. And that's when the angel says, Abraham, stop, don't do it. And Abraham looks up and sees the ram stuck in the thicket and offers the ram instead of his son. And that's when Abraham names the place God will provide. So as I'm wrestling with this, I'm realizing, okay, I'm saying, what else is going on here? What am I missing? And I found that this story is actually about God revealing more of who he actually was to Abraham. God showing Abraham, and therefore the rest of his people, that he was not like the other gods, that he was far different than the gods of the ancient Near Near East. He did not want a human sacrifice. That Abraham's view of God and who God was was too small. That God was much bigger and much more loving and much more gracious than the images of the other gods that the pagan culture served. God, God was nothing like what they expected. This story was God giving Abraham a glimpse of what God is about in a way that Abraham could understand. It wasn't a mind game. This ram proves it. It's not a mind game. This was God meeting Abraham where he's at, even though Abraham had walked with God closely for years and years, and as faithful as Abraham was to God, Abraham still thought that God was a God who may just require him to sacrifice his son. And I think that's really interesting because I think that's what we do, (laughs) and I think that's what I do, is I will walk with God, and then I suddenly come to the spot where I think God is about something that's about my own ideas or my own past, and then I realize, wait, God is much bigger than what I think he is. So, And a lot of people read the story and point to Abraham as a man of deep faith and trust for being willing to sacrifice his son. And yes, I do absolutely think the story has a lot to do with trust and faith. But honestly, in my opinion, I think the real act of faith was that Abraham looked up and saw the ram and took the ram instead. Because everything else was telling him, no, you sacrifice your son. He was willing to look up and take something different, take something different than the way that he has always heard the story, different than the way that, he always, that people thought he was supposed to do. The real act of faith was that Abraham was willing to see God in a new light. It was Abraham accepting the ram that was provided instead of his son and being willing to let go of his own ideas of who God was and how God was supposed to act and turn and discover the ways that God was actively revealing himself to Abraham. The real faith was Abraham accepting the ram, showing that God was different than who he thought God was. That's true faith. I think that's a beautiful faith because that requires such a deep trust in God over a deep trust in self. Because what we already know and hold on to is a lot more comfortable than something new and unknown. But God has more of himself to show us. There's always more of himself to show us. So through the ram, I was reminded that God is patient with us and God reveals himself to us. 
in this story, God is a God who meets Abraham right where he was at in his view of God. And God does the same for us. He meets you right where you're at in your view of him. And then he's patient. And again, I admit, I have seen God wrong many times in my opinion. I've assumed things about God that were probably not of him. But God was okay with that because he's patient and he's with me and he meets me in those thoughts. And then he reveals more and more of himself to me, just like through this story. God met Abraham and walked with him and brought him to a place where he could be able to understand the radical shift that God was revealing to him. That he did not need human sacrifices or want them, which at that time was a huge deal. And we are all products of that same God. God is meeting us where we are at. He's patient with us and then reveals himself more and more to us. But as I was wrestling with this, two more things that this wrestling produced in me was humility and hunger. Because when we approach the scriptures, when we approach ideas, when we approach people, when we approach God, we need humility. We need to be able to be humble enough to recognize that our ideas of God may not always be accurate, but instead of letting that produce fear or anxiety, I would say let it cultivate hunger. Because remember, God is a God who reveals himself. He provides a ram. And this week I got a text from a friend who said, and the text reads this, it says, at some point, can we get together, Julie, and talk, just talk about the Old Testament and how my view of God has changed drastically? I said, yes, the answer is yes, right? This is exciting to me. And not because her view of God was right or wrong before or because it's gonna be right or wrong after we talk about this, but because she's there and she's engaging and she's showing up and she's humble enough and hungry enough to dive in and to see God revealed. And I 100% believe that God is doing something in her right now. I believe that God is revealing himself to her more and more and I've talked with her, her ideas are shifting and some of it's a little bit like, oh, what do I do with this and how do I do it? But it's great because she's still engaging and entering in and she's hungry and she wants to know more and more. So let that thrive. Don't take a new idea and be scared by it. Enter in and wrestle with it, and you will be surprised. And when you discover things in the Bible that seem to contradict with the idea of who Christ is, that is okay. It just means that there's probably something else going on there, just like in this story. Acknowledge it and wrestle with it, because when you do, God reveals more and more of himself, and it is beautiful. God absolutely shows up in the wrestling. And please, new community, wrestle. Like Abraham, may we please be a humble and hungry community. May we look for the ram. Because this is how we grow in our faith. This is how we know God more intimately. But this is also how we love others better. This is how we bring the kingdom here and now. Because guys, we're not, we're not there yet, right? There's still a lot of empty seats here. And honestly, I don't care if we ever fill these specific seats. I don't care about having a big service. I don't care about numbers. I don't care about any of that. But what I absolutely do care about is that we are a community who's loving people well and bringing the kingdom to people here and now. And we only do this if we are a community who's willing to wrestle with the hard things that don't add up with hunger and humility. If we are a community that seeks God to reveal himself to us, when, a when Abraham was humble enough to see God in a new light, to accept the ram that 
not only affected him, but it affected all the generations to follow. Human sacrifice was not part of the plan. And he was able to greatly impact the kingdom and letting people know that God was not about sac human sacrifices. God was far bigger than that, and God was far different than everything that they had known up until that point. May we be a people who seek to know more about God and more about the depths of his love and character. And may we look at everything, every person, every situation, every scripture, every story in the Bible with the crucified Christ at the center and remember all that Christ is about. Right now, we are going to enter into a time of communion, and I want to invite everybody up to these tables. Um, all who seek Jesus are welcome. And as you're approaching the table, I would encourage you to approach with humility and to approach with hunger and to approach looking for the ram and to approach asking God to reveal more and more of himself to you and to us as a community.